Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. Uh, I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here today with Matt Roberts of Scale Up Ventures. How's it going? As you take a sip Sorry, of your coffee. I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know. I thought the intro would be longer than that. No, it's really that short. You're right into it. Where were you? On the, no, just kidding. So, um, uh, uh, tell us what Scale Up Ventures is and what your role is uh, at Scale Up. So, I'm a partner at Scale Up Ventures. We've raised $70 million uh, recently, and we're, we're doing a third close now, so that number will probably go a little bit higher. Uh, we raised $25 million from the Ontario government, um, so thank, thank you, Premier Wynn. Um, and we've got uh, a, a roster of corporates as well as investors uh, in the company, so BNS, RBC, TD, Magna, Weston, and uh, Rogers, Telus, and uh, Bell. Wow, okay. Yeah. So. Now, what's interesting about scale up is it's not old. It's not been around no, for a very long it's, time. It's it's. Uh, I think um, our actually our birthday might have been two weeks ago. Oh really? Our, like our legal birthday would have been almost two or three weeks. Cool. Ago. This yeah. is a birthday episode. So, uh, what's the idea? Like, what's the thesis, or why why create another fund? Um, so the uh, this all comes down from a guy named uh, n uh, predominantly from a guy named Nadir Mohammed. Mm -hmm. uh, Nadir was the former CEO of Rogers. Communications um, and uh, an immigrant to Canada came over in the early '70s. Uh, worked his way up, became an engineer. All those, all, all the good stories you hear about um, immigrants in, in our country. Um, he was on the board of uh, Ryerson, and he sort of felt that uh, he was seeing all these great companies coming out of the DMZ, and he didn't see corporate Canada and those uh, those early stage startups intersecting. And if they were intersecting, probably not in a positive way. Mm -hmm. He sort of felt that they were. Uh, you know, just not going. Uh, the corporates had their own ideas of what they wanted to do, which was essentially, "Hey, we'd love you to be our, you know, our dev shop for this product that you're talking about, rather than we will buy this product from you, and you know, help you learn how to build a better one." So uh, he, you know, initially thought by virtue of just being involved, he could try and fix that problem. Then he realized that it was probably more structural issue. Um, so he wanted to have um, all these corporates that we just mentioned having economics in in companies and maybe becoming better citizens um, by virtue of understanding the... Uh, so they have a vested process. interest in the success of the company, yeah, not just like... Yeah, but, but also just um, um, it, it, as much of a, a learning for uh, for our for the senior leadership teams at these companies, right? So they sort of look at, the, you know, when they, when they hear a product coming in the door, they think IBM. Right. They don't think four guys in a room or, you know, or, or would you, know, you risk your corporate strategy on, would you risk your career on it? And nobody, nobody gets fired for buying IBM. Right. So say, like, yeah. you know, so they're, they're all, you know, he's trying to, he's saying that you got to take some risk and it's in sort of deploying these things and experimenting and, and doing trials. And they were, they just weren't doing that. And he sort of felt if they're more involved in the ecosystem, that would help them learn more. That's pretty cool. So, uh, what what kind of uh, what size startups do you guys target, and is there a, a vertical? So we're seed or? Series A. Yeah. So uh, and and that seed in Series A seems to have become a very moving target um, over the past five years. So um, I the definitions of, you mean? Yeah, oh, the definitions and even the round sizes, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, I I define that as we we like post pr uh, product launch, um, five hundred thousand dollars sort of checks all the way up to about three million bucks Canadian. Right. Yeah. And is that rare um, in Canada to have a seed at least <coughs> fund? Uh, no, um, no, there's a lot of seed funds. I think uh, what you know, the principles. My two partners, myself, uh, uh, bring a slightly different nuance to how we approach deal flow. Um, and then you know, uh, and our counterparts in the business, obviously, uh, other seed funds also bring 
you know, their biases or views uh, to the table, right? So, you know, I, I think there's, I don't, I've, I've never hit the moment where I thought there's too much money right. uh, yes. in, in early stage but investing. But like, is there something from a, so I understand that the, the value proposition from a corporate perspective, the investors get to learn how yeah. to be innovative or have vested in this success of uh, building up an ecosystem. Absolutely. What's the, the, what is, what's the value proposition? All right, folks, uh, sorry about that. We had a little bit of a technical glitch there. As you know, we don't edit the show. This is all live to air, so um, uh, apologies for that. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, and I think that what I was asking was, um, what is the value proposition to the startup? I understand the value proposition to the um, corporate, but what, when they're shopping around, they're looking for venture capital, why would they come to you? Uh, so, um, you know, uh, my two partners, as I mentioned earlier, um, they have... Uh, you know, they, uh, I have Kent Thexton and Kevin Kimsa, and, and for people outside of the Toronto Nexus, they might not be names that you know, but they're both very seasoned and experienced entrepreneurs and managers of large companies. So you've got those two guys with heavy operational backgrounds. Then you also have the fact that these corporates are very active with us. So we, we can shepherd um, companies through their processes um, to get them to the right people. Um, you know what I what I found is that a lot of entrepreneurs come in the door and say, "Hey, I'm talking to Bell or Rogers," um, and it's it's great. You know, they're, they've got a big corporate. They think there might be a um, there might be an opportunity there, and then um, I find out who they're talking to, and because of the interactions we now have with Rogers and Bell, I can tell them that that's actually probably someone who can't write a check to right. buy a product. Um, right. And while that might be a good influencer on the trail, trail these co these organizations and how they make decisions are all very different and how they do it and that insight that we have is is I think of, of significant value to you know young entrepreneurs who are trying to figure it out. And do you find that your approach is um, uh, different than your comparable? Aside from the access to certain kinds of corporations or certain kinds of capital, is it different in any way? Uh, in, in in terms of well, like um, like what is it? Is there another value proposition you sell to the startup? Like based on the pedigree of Absolutely. you and the partners? Absolutely. So, so when I when I talk about the operational background of my two partners, um, Kevin, um, Kevin and, and Kent, but predominantly Kevin, uh, has uh, started companies, three or four companies now that have gone you know sort of three hundred million dollar plus um, in terms of their uh, sort of valuation. He's built out a whole KPI system, which hmm. um, you know MBA. Did a KPI, learned about KPIs, and I'm sure everybody has read a blog post about it. But his is much more deep and ingrained and thoughtful about how a, um, a company is operating. He's looking for all the levers in a business and how you would, how one should measure themselves. Mm, that's cool. And I've, I've, I wish I'd learned this five or six years ago in my career. I would have probably saved myself from a lot of heartache. Um, <laughs> what the KPIs are and how to apply them and how to yeah, grow probably. the business. Yeah, yeah, and and being you know. Uh, to be fair, before the, before I met Kevin and learned about this process, the KPIs were let's choose five or six you know KPIs at a board meeting perhaps, and that would be the way the board measured the entrepreneur and the company right. from there. And then the entrepreneur would turn around and come up with five or six KPIs with his team, right. which might not be the same. And then <laughs> right. and hopefully then, they align. Uh, that's not that 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 disconnect between board expectations and uh, operational management um, expectations uh, we don't accept. Right. So That's it, cool. they should our our uh, the KPIs that uh, the operational KPIs from the board and with the founder or CEO uh, flow throughout the entire organization, mm. and then that way all senior management and and the people below them have a clear idea of what the expectation goals and reasons why are That's behind cool. those things, That's and cool. how you arrive at them is as much of a value as as how you measure them. So one one before we talk a little bit more about you personally, like help me understand. Uh, I've said this a bunch of times before. So like. 
the the Ontario government you said put in some money into this mm-hmm. fund. Is that is that first of all is that common for Canadian funds to have the government involved in some way? And uh, what do you think about that? Is that weird? Does that add strings or, or constraints to what you do, or it, is it, it was, it's advantageous because so you can actually deploy? I capital? don't know of uh, I, I don't know of an operational VC fund in Canada over fifty million dollars that doesn't have some form of provincial or federal government investment. Um, is that, and is that weird? Because if you look at like American VCs, they'd be like, I mean, I mean Americans generally are like, oh, Canadian government too intertwined with what the, that, that's the American view of yeah. things. Is um, that- and, you know, that, and that's a knee-jerk reaction I think we, yeah. um, you know, so many of us have. Um, there's a, we have a structural, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been quoted on other podcasts uh, <laughs> saying this, but we, we have a structural problem um, in venture capital in Canada um, that's been going on well before any of us were probably born. Um, and it dates back to the 70s where in Canada in the 70s, every small union, every small place had a pension plan and they were all independent. And then the government turned around and said, all these pension plans are not making any money for anybody because of all the overhead. So they, they created a whole bunch of systems to merge them all together. And that's how you got OMERS or teachers or mm-hmm. these larger pension plans. Um, fast forward to today, that means there's only you know, maybe a dozen or so um, real big ones and then maybe uh, you know two dozen small, small funds across Canada. And you know, when they say I'm not doing venture capital, thank you very much, it means that meant that much fewer opportunities for a VC fund to get started. Right. Right. And so because of that, uh, there's just not any LPs in Canada. And then going to the US, the LPs down south are, you know, um, as I've learned, trying to raise my own fund, are not very educated on the Canadian market to begin with. So there's just not enough uh, LPs in Canada, and that's why you you've heard about VCAP and things like that have been mm-hmm. going on. Is just to try and change that that noise. It's to it's to bring LPs back into the Canadian system. Right. Um, so the uh, because that's going to take I think probably ten years to right. be real. Um, Ontario, Quebec, BC, Alberta, um, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. All ha- all of those people have uh, flipped. Uh, you know, straight money into venture capital funds to encourage them to set up shops. So it's products. working. Like it, it people well, are well, people are creating venture funds. People are creating venture funds based on this and, they're, and they're closing. And, right. and in our case, uh, the Ontario government uh, put the twenty five million dollars down, announced it before the the it was a matching twenty five million dollars. Right. So if we raise twenty five million dollars, the Ontario would match up to twenty five. Right. Um, and then we could raise as much as we want. So we we raised thirty seven in our first close, and then the second close was you know, $25 million from the Ontario government. So once they knew our money, other people's money was on the table, then Mm -hmm. they came in. That's a little bit different than what you'll see in Quebec, for example, or in Alberta or BC, which BC and Alberta both have funds um, or they've uh, they've contracted it out to others to manage it for them. Mm -hmm. And they have rules around how that should work. So if I were to take money from uh, BC, um, they would ask me to set up an office in British Columbia and have a partner there um, and do deals there, obviously. Sure. Are there any other weird, like, taking, uh, For, are there any different kinds of restrictions to the so money? Almost all of its money is restricted to whichever province it comes from. So, I see. Like, so the 25, sense. the Ontario government doesn't want my like, $25 million to go to New Brunswick. Right. Um, and the same with Quebec. Mm-hmm. They, sometimes they ask for a dollar leverage, so more than a dollar uh, per, like a buck ten or something. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, essentially, if you get federal government money, it just sort of stay in Canada, guys. Don't don't scoot outside of it. Okay, so. that's cool. So let's let's take a step back. So you uh, 
you f a radioactive truck fell on you and you became a superpowered. I think is your origin story. No, yes, just absolutely. So, <laughs> take you. us back. So you 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 kind of messed with the startup thing earlier on in your career, if memory serves. You tried to do your own business. Yeah, that was, so that was. Uh, but I'd been I'd been a VC before that even. Okay, so, so. take us through back. So you 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 what you went to school? You became a venture capitalist? No, um, <laughs> I went to school. I went to high school. Um, I was work, so. Um, so did I. What I, I know. Uh, so, um, but I was. Uh, well, you and I were uh, are roughly the same age. Uh, so I'm I was 93. You're 93. So when I was 92, yeah. um, you know, in the early 90s, uh, my dad was. Uh, my dad's an entrepreneur as well, uh, and he, but he's in the semiconductor business, so a very sort of different world than uh, the software business that I sort of grew up in. Um, he ran a sort of a I don't know a group, an industry group for all the semiconductor companies in Canada. Um, and what happened was is the internet happened like oh we need a web page and my son knows something about this and i became <laughs> that guy right <laughs> you know the, i'll build a web page for you um so i went around and i built his web page and then the ceos from this industry group would pop into my dad's office and i was there in the summer you know working on web pages and stuff and he they would say oh you're doing web page I mean, great if you do one for us so i did the uh, i bought the domains and the web pages for these guys mm -hmm. but it was it was at the time it was very cavalier. I I owned the <laughs> right, and I owned the web pages. Yeah, nobody um, knew that there would be like a uh, nobody knew this is squatting and all, that crap. And all yeah, this crap. Yeah. So you know, but well-known semiconductor company like PMC Sierra, for example, okay. I owned I, I owned that. I owned their dot their <laughs> dot com. I bought I bought the dot com from PMC Sierra. Wow. Um, they had the .ca. They didn't know how to get a .com, so I bought the .dot uh, .com. Yes. So I owned like you know Genesis Microchip, a whole bunch of other ones, um, and so I was building all these web pages. Eventually, you know, that was a side business that made me a little bit of money. But um, a guy named Terry Matthews was also on this uh, group, and he walked into the office one day. It was like July or something. He said he saw me. He knew who I was, but he because uh, by virtue of my father, but mm -hmm. he saw me on a computer. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm coding a web page." And he's like, "Oh, you know how to code?" And you know, being 14, you say, "Yeah." <laughs> right, and so maybe that's not code in today's world, but at the yeah, time at it the felt time like coding. Right, yeah. I was a computer whisked. Um, <laughs> so he's like, well, "How much are you getting paid?" And from the back office, my dad, I must must have overheard this, and he's like, "He's getting fed. That's all he's. That's all he needs." <laughs> um, and Terry said, "Well, I'll pay you better than that." So then uh, on Monday, uh, his secretary called me and asked me if I'd come over and talk to him about you know doing a summer job with him. So I, I worked at Newbridge Networks at fifteen. And that's what kind of started me down this path. Uh, Fifteen, just developing at Newbridge Networks. And so you, 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 what what attracted you to the investment side of things? Was it because um, a lot of people are like, I want to build a company. Blah, blah, blah. They're not like, I want to invest in companies. That's not yeah, a yeah. So it, it's I, more I common so, now. Yeah. So in the, um, so uh, this is like I started Newbridge Networks when I was fifteen. So I was ninety four, ninety five, <laughs> um, and then by ninety eight, ninety nine, um, I sort of finagled my way into a young manager's job at Newbridge. So I was still in high school, mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't going anymore. And I was a, a project coordinator at Newbridge Networks, which is mm -hmm. the youngest uh, manager you can sort of be there be, uh, on the managerial scale. Um, and the reason for that was because I was in the wireless group, which was the new cool group, anything mm -hmm. wireless, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, 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 essentially the problem they had was is they had five directors and they, and they needed to get things signed. So and they they promoted me to manager in order to get things signed so that they could get the the group started. Right. Right. And and I've already been there for three years. So I already knew my way around Newbridge. It was right. very simple. It was very you know, um, so I made a lot of money. I was making sixty thousand dollars a year, wow. uh, and and that's late nineties. Yeah. Uh, and I was working living at home. 
So I had all this extra cash, so I became an angel investor. Huh. Because uh, going back to my father, he was he was this entrepreneur, so all these entrepreneurs would come visit him and say, hey, you know, here's my idea. And my dad would say, oh, that's a good idea, or it's not. And he'd give them some money or sit on their boards or something. And, mm. I, and I said, well, that looks a lot better than what I'm doing, which is coding all day, <laughs> right? right? And so I would take ten or $15,000 from my savings and pop them in these companies. Hmm. And some of them worked out. So hmm. that's how I, I got the sort of the investor bug on, on tech. Right. And then when did you become like a professional? Like you did you, you went to, you did school and then you became yeah, so a professional the dot com, the dot com crash uh, proved to me I was not such a great investor. <laughs> uh, and then... <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for everybody, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, that's when I sold my PMC Sierra, just for the record, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, Which that's, sell low, buy yeah. high is what my philosophy is. No, that's, 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 yeah. that's not the way to do it. I've been told. Um, but so, uh, 2001, I bounced back to school. I went, I went, uh, went back to uh, Carleton. Um, I was in computer science actually. Um, and then decided I knew more than the professor who was teaching me. So I quit computer science and did a history degree instead mm -hmm. because that was what interested me in the, mm -hmm. in the room. Um, and then um, as I was graduating, uh, Terry Matthews kind of walked himself back into my life and said, what are you going to do after you graduate? He'd seen me at some bar or something. And I said, I'm not sure yet. And he said, why don't you come work for me? And so... It seems to be a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I said, okay. Um, so I went to work for him and became uh, an analyst at Wesley Clover, which was his investment firm. Hmm. And that's probably where you'd say I started at, in the venture capital trade. Right. Um, and so uh, this is post.com? Oh yeah, Bust? this is 2004, okay. 2005. Uh, and so you were there for how long? Uh, four and a half years. Four and a half years. So what did you, uh, and th then you went to? Then I started my own thing. You started your own thing? Left, uh, Johnny Voip, uh, okay. which was, um, initially it was a, we, we, we developed all the, the systems that Twilio had uh, when they launched, mm -hmm. um, but we built our own products on it. And then we realized that nobody liked our products, but they liked our underlying the plumbing, system. Yeah. They liked the plumbing, so we decided to become a plumbing agent, mm -hmm. uh, a la Twilio. Mm -hmm. um, but we were doing it from like Canada, Ontario. So it was very hard to sell that that vision. And I think we were, we, we thought everybody, every web app is gonna wanna have some telephony um, integrations. I think we were right about that. We were just wrong about when they would want it. It's true, it's so, true. And it didn't quite go the way that, I mean, it, if memory failed. serves, it was like, I remember when I was doing that kind of stuff in the, in the mid 2000s, it was like, Click to call. That's the thing you want. You'll call the business yeah. from your phone, from your computer. Yeah. Like that was kind of that was the a bit vision of that. Of so we were we were at the time Skype was on on everybody's network, and most there was this big huge argument about is Skype good for your for your corporate network? And the general consensus was no, it was right. not. Um, all peer to peer. Yeah, Evil. all peer to peer, and then there was super nodes, and there was a whole bunch of garbage around that. So uh, they also had all this investment in um, their own phone systems. So we built a system that would plug into their existing phone system. Oh, I see. That would allow you to have, if you know. You how you get webmail, um, we would give you a web phone. So you'd be able to traveling, go anywhere, you'd be able to use a web phone for, right. for you know, for work. And did you like get investment for that? Thing? Yeah, we raised we raised what I thought was a gigantic seed round of eight hundred thousand dollars. Maybe uh, it was, I don't know. It, well it was then. <laughs> Everybody thought it was crazy. Like you raised eight hundred thousand dollars, so it's only four of you here. <laughs> In Canada. So uh, what what put an end to that? When did you just A couple stop? of things put an end to it. So uh, you know the, you know, on the company side, we, we were, we were, we pivoted into, we need to build the plumbing thing rather than the product thing. Um, and that became pretty clear that that was not going to be a small build. We had a big corporate sale that, um, that was a big carrot that was dangling out in front of us. And so we were running towards that. Um, and as we ran towards that opportunity, that would have made the company a very viable system for ourselves. Um, the, uh, 2008 crisis hit. Right. Um, so, <laughs> yes. So, um, 
you know, I learned very quickly that 2008 was hard. I, I was sitting in a VC's office in Boston when it happened, when Lehman Brothers collapsed. Um, I remember it, there was a- Were you in a raise mode? Is that why? Yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 we were discussing term sheets, essentially. We had one sort of on the table. We had a, we had a, we had a verbal commit, commit from a VC who was, uh, I still talk to today, he's still a VC down in Boston, but um, he just couldn't make a capital call. So he calls me, he, like, I was sitting, in, I sat in his office after Lehman Brothers collapse, like the day we saw the people with carrying the boxes out Probably. of Lehman Brothers. Um, and I, I was in his office and I said, because we were talking about these other two guys who were maybe going to come in on his term sheet. And he said, you know, Matt, I'm, you know, I've never seen anything quite like this. I'm not sure what's going to happen over the next few weeks. So why don't we just... <laughs> Like and I had cash. I had cash. It was not like this whole moment, but the cash was going to only last till February. Right. And the corporate required uh, a going concern uh, capital notice. I see. Right. I I needed to have enough money to service the business I was saying I was going to get from them. So you needed about three million bucks minimum, maybe four. Right. And if you didn't have the four million dollars by February, you didn't have the deal. And of course, at this point, um, the corporate didn't want to honor the deal because they, what the hell's happening in the world? The, the whole world's coming <laughs> yeah, to an end. Exactly. Do I want to pay this dinky little startup for yeah. money? So yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was just a, it was a sort of a perfect storm for us. So you just went you straight up went it down at that point, uh, or what did you so do? So we we uh, we found like there was a company that was in, in sort of an ancillary space that we'd beat um, on an RFP, um, and so we we sort of moved a few people over to that and sort of gave them access to the code. So so it's essentially a transfer of the technology, and then. And that was kind of the end of it, really. Yeah, yeah. So what? So you know, that's it. So you you'd spent a bunch of time investing, or at mm -hmm. least as an analyst at an, an yeah, investment yeah. firm. Yeah. Then you spent a bunch of time building your own company. You decided to go back into investment. No, no. I, I like 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 I did the last time. <laughs> uh, you know, when the dot com thing hit, I went to school. I did the same thing after right. my startup. I, so I went and did my MBA. Your MBA. Yeah. Why did you do your MBA? Because um, I'd always uh, so I, I I realized as an entrepreneur. Um, that I have very, very good, deep knowledge in, in certain aspects of how to run a business, and then I had absolutely no way of measuring other people doing their jobs um, in the business. So I didn't know anything about audits. I knew nothing about, I knew a little bit about uh, finance. I thought I knew more than I did, but knowing right. what I know now, no. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had a clear idea of, I, didn't ha I had no idea how to be a, a proper manager. Um, my management skills up to then were, were based on sports. Like right. I mean, I'd worked in sports. I'd been a captain of a team in high school and, and after school, and I, that was how I learned leadership. So when you graduated, you then did what? Uh, I went to a startup in Ottawa um, called okay. GAN Systems. Okay. And I raised the seed in Series A for them. Okay. Which and is the toughest raise I've ever been involved in. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, but so as an employee, it wasn't your company? No, not at all. And then you, how long were you there for? Uh, 13, 14 months. And then you... I went to BDC. Okay, so wondering if, like, <laughs> how long would it take the other? So again, and then you stay, you stuck at BDC for quite a while. Five years. Yeah. So, so okay. So the narrative is you you did you did the investment on the analyst side. Yeah. I've you always been started floating up. sort of back. You started back and forth. So, but for the last significant amount of time, you're in the investment side of the mm -hmm. equation, yeah. or at least the significant That's part of your career, you've absolutely. been in the investment side. Yeah. Is there what's the what's the tilt that way versus like, no, I'm going to do a yet another company or I'm going to join another company. I, I, I've decided in my old age, I'm not good at it. So okay. I'm, I'm better, I'm better as a sort of a sober second judgment, you know, uh, guy next to an entrepreneur rather than the entrepreneur himself. Because soul sucking or because? No, uh, not at all. I, 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 I just, I've noticed that, uh, you know, taking those 
thinking outside that box that doesn't come intuitively as, as quickly to me as it does to some entrepreneurs. I see. I see. So, okay. So you, you spent a long time at BDC. That's in fact where we met. Mm -hmm. What, um, they're, they're kind of a different yeah. fund. Yeah. They're a different in Canada. Fund. And, yeah. and what can you like encapsulate well, why they're different or how, uh, what, so how they operate? Uh, uh, BDC is a crown corporation. So mm -hmm. it's owned by the federal government. Mm -hmm. We have one shareholder mm -hmm. and that's the government. Mm -hmm. Um, the uh, the reason for its existence is to uh, help Canadian entrepreneurs. That's the first line or second line in, in the act, the BDC Act that makes it exist. Um, the reality is that they're trying to be fair dealers in the marketplace for loans and things like that. A smaller portion of their business is in venture capital. Um, as I mentioned earlier, not enough LPs. BDC is the largest LP in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and also, they also do direct investments. And I worked on the direct investment side in the software fund. Right, also seed. Also, and yeah, it was a seed in Series A. Yeah, and so did you? What did you? What when you started that? What was your, like, what 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 ended up being your role there? Like, what did you end up so doing? So they hired me as the analyst. So yeah. like, uh, Ron Warburton was the managing partner at the time, and Ron's a well-known sort of VC out in Ottawa. Um, he they they had been out of market. BDC had gone through a transition where they essentially had done no deals, new deals, I should say, for two and a half years, mainly because they'd sort of screwed up during the the dot com fiasco uh, we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there'd been a reorg, a change, about half the VCs who were in that group got let go. Um, and I was the first anal uh, first analyst they hired into BDC's uh, group to help them after they decided they're going back into market to do investment. And what did you see, like, and I'm assuming this also uh, colors your worldview now, mm -hmm. you know, you spent a lot of time, like, the entrepreneurship thing, I mean, we're 2017, if you want to, depending on when you listen to this podcast, yeah. um, you know, I think the, like, 2010s, 2011s, up to recently, like entrepreneurship as a in the, is in the zeitgeist, and everyone's an entrepreneur, and there's a whole bunch of yeah. factors that have conf, con, confluenced together to make it like cheap to get money, cheap mm -hmm. to start a company, uh, new business models. Everyone's willing to accept these kinds of things. Um, you probably get vomited uh, startups constantly in your general direction. How do you? What have you seen? Like. How do you parse the ecosystem? How do you par parse entrepreneurs who come to you, especially because they're like looking at you, BDC you or scale up you versus going to the States? I feel like Canadian entrepreneurs aren't just limited to thinking about Canada. Yeah. How are you navigating the the network of entrepreneurs in Canada being like good startup, bad startup, good team, bad team, well, I'll invest, I won't invest? Uh, I start with good entrepreneur, bad entrepreneur. Okay. Um, and, and that's a, a nuance that's harder to necessarily, it's a je ne sais quoi, if Yeah, you but will. you've honed that, I assume. I've honed that. And, and I'm looking for thoughtful, intelligent, um, you know, uh, men and women who sort of decide that they're going to take a risk and how th they're wrong at the beginning. They right. think they ha they know there's a problem out there. How you solve that and how you solve that and build it into a real business, that's a different story. And the learnings that they do and how they approach those learnings tells me whether or not they're people I can work with. Right. And if uh, um, it might not, it, you know, as one of my uh, one of my mentors has said, you know, it, it's never no. It's probably not right now or not this. Right? right, and so sometimes entrepreneurs are the the right entrepreneur with the wrong idea, and I have to decide whether or not to place my capital in them at this particular point. Or are they going to figure out that this is not the right thing, mm -hmm. or should I should I hold back and wait till the next thing comes along? Um, and so I'm looking for those people who show uh, show a willingness to learn. Um, and ha like, you know, I mean, I think 
everyone, including the the investors, are often wrong too, right? You, Absolutely, you, you think we're, this is kind of right. We're wrong. We're based on the math. I've been told wrong more than right. Of the time, right? You know. So how do you <laughs> how do you a convince the LPs? Hey, dude, like this is going to be <laughs> more wrong than right. And then how do you minimize the wrong than rightness? Well, so the LPs, uh, for better or worse, tend to look at uh, previous um, experience. Um, to say, hey, you know, you were right in the past, so you might be right in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, is that true? I I question that. Um, but the, you know, how how do you build it? You build enough uh, visibility into into the incoming crop of young entrepreneurs. Once once you get to um, once you get to a certain level, the, the entrepreneurs start self filtering themselves out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you don't see thirty year old plus entrepreneurs generally. They're, they're, when they are out there, they're actually more credible, right? Um, just because they're taking, they're walking out into a business straight, you know, having had ten to fifteen years of experience. The younger entrepreneurs are where it's a little bit more noisy, right? Because anybody can start a company today, as you mentioned earlier, um, and the, the economics are easy for you to do. So there's just a lot more noise, and you're just sort of filtering to try and find the right people who are in that earlier stage. Yeah, how, how do you? I know that you know. Once we we did a show on Collision, and I talked to a bunch of. Uh, investors there and what, what you do at these trade shows at these conferences mm-hmm. is there's like the unwashed masses which are usually entrepreneurs yep <laughs> then there's like uh investors who have you know special passes special passes yeah. and and you know s- some of them freely admitted they turn their passes around yeah so that they would not be bombarded by hey you should invest in my company that's like redoing you know yeah gmail it- uh, yeah. how, how do you how do you separate the wheat from the chaff though i, I get the I older entrepreneur I, 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 it's it, uh, you know, how do you, um, you know, how do you specifically uh, yeah, how, how do, do it? it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an open-ended question. You're, you're, you're essentially looking for somebody that you, you, you find a connection with quickly. Um, you have to give them 15 to 20 minutes of your time to actually get any sort of sense if that person is legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. And then you have to decide how you're going to measure them going forward. Right. And you know, that might be on results of the company that might be on, you know, the problems you see in front of them and see if they learn those problems quickly. Then you ask them, you know, you get, to, you know, you sort of keep an eye on, them. and there's many, many ways to do that. So you, you know, but you're, you're, it's incumbent on the entrepreneur to keep, keeping people like mine's, mine's head for a period right, of time. Right, 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 and show progress and whatever. Don't Absolutely. expect an initial. And hey, I met Matt once. Please give me money. It's yeah, like that no, doesn't no, happen. No, no, ever. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think I've, ever? I, don't, I don't think I've ever written a check after one meeting. Uh, so I think one thing that's also opaque to um, entrepreneurs, especially when you're like. I, I, again, I think that like as Canadian um, startups, they they don't. I don't think any of them think my market is Canada, and that's that will be it. They, I think, they think globally for the most uh, part. No, yeah, for the most part. Like, there's some services businesses or or things like sure. that. Sure, but like it's rare. But they're not like I will. I will definitely limit my market to Canada no. or whatever. No. So when they're, I'm assuming that's true for also for raising capital. Uh, they, yeah, you no, know, absolutely. They'll we, go to the yeah, states. They'll go anywhere, they, right? Yeah, wherever the so money is. H- how do you? How do you compete with uh, you know um, an, another venture capitalist so in the states? Like, is uh, that or is that even a, a fair not, question? It's not really a fair question. Okay. Uh, so our, our, our U.S. counterparts don't generally play in the earlier stage, and, okay. and when they do, they don't lead uh, very often. They, they're um, their funds are so large that they can't they, they can't deploy five hundred thousand dollars, manage it properly, make any sense. So they're not uh, you know the average size of a fund in Canada is like seventy million dollars. The average. Right. Fund size in the U.S. I think is two or three hundred, okay. um, and then the, if you take out the extreme ones, which are like twenty billion dollars, okay. are not venture. Um, okay. 
So yeah, so um, you know our, the VCs that are coming up from the states now are much more um, community driven. They're, they they want to work with people on the ground in those areas. They don't want to be the only check in the room. Hmm. Um, you know there are some that that play that old game. Um, you know like KPCB is a good one, like Klein Perkins. Mm -hmm. um, they sort of still like to come into Canada and do it themselves. Um, Good for them, uh, right. but but you know the vast majority of them are partnering up with with you know with VCs on the ground here. Right, and what have you seen? You know, do you, do you sit on boards of startups? Uh, not you? Well, I have. You have. I, I'm not right now. Not I'm at the moment because no. you have to invest in a few. I have to invest. In, I have to, <laughs> to we just got started. Yeah, so. exactly. So, what have you seen uh, from? Because I think that's quite opaque to most um, most entrepreneurs, and except for the venture capitalists who are sitting on board. Boards and ha and and entrepreneurs who have raised capital. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen? Um, like, first of all, how do you how do you act on a board? Like, what what's your I'm an perception? I'm Are not, you? Yeah. Well, no, not, not really. But but, uh, but I, I you know I am there. My fiduciary duty is to return capital to my fund. My yes. you know uh, for I think the press and the way it's, the, it's articulated out there is sort of like go raise money. Once you raise money, that's the win. Yes. Um, for me, the win is getting the money back. Preferably, so at, are you anti-celebration of raise? Uh, no, not at no? all. I think okay. I think entrepreneurs should celebrate their uh, celebrate the hard work and stuff that got them to that point mm -hmm. and and got them a verifiable sort of people believe in me. I think that's that's totally fair. Okay. Um, do I think that means that you know you're done? Hell's no. Right, right. you got lots of work to do it's after kind of that. The opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's the beginning of more work and more stress and more right. and more scaling and all the things you just did before times five or right. 10 or 20. So in your experience, as you've been doing this, are, have you seen patterns where you're like, okay, now you just got, you know, what was the average investment at BDC that you approximately, like order uh, of magnitude? Um, I, a million, 10 million? So we were seed in series A and we did, yeah. No, we that's, did, yeah maybe so that's a unfair bit, question it's again. a little bit. So in the seed like size, seed, we yeah. would do um, usually 800,000 to 1.2. Okay. And then on the, um, on the A side, it was anywhere from 1.5 to three. I think the average is like okay. two point nine. Okay. Um, so, so, so yeah. let's on, first on the seed side, like uh, you give somebody a check for a million dollars, um, and I understand they're different verticals, different yeah, yeah, yeah. different people. Yeah. I, I totally get that. But um, how? What's your counsel to them as soon as they get the money? Um, let's be thoughtful. Okay. Um, you, you, usually, you start seeing T-shirts and hoodies start showing up um, right. at startups, and yeah. you're like, and and you know, I understand the the hey, wanting to give everybody some swag and stuff, but I'm like. Let's just think about how we're spending our money. Let's not just turn the budget on right. uh, straight away. Let's be thoughtful about what we're going to do. I'm assuming, especially with seed companies, especially younger entrepreneurs, they haven't seen yeah, that much and, money. Well, yeah. And so you get sort of two <laughs> solitudes. You get the guys who are raring to go and spend all the money in a week. Uh, and then you've got the guys who have been leaving, living lean for so long, they don't know how to swallow the food, right? So they're, mm -hmm. they, they're, they don't want to spend the money at all. And, try, and, and then they're being too hard on pricing or, or salaries for hiring. So you can't right. scale the business fast enough. So it's sort of you're counseling on both ends. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're, my job is, you know, I know people seem to think that VCs are in charge in some way. We're not. We're counselors to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, from a board level, our job is not to to you know to tell the CEO what to do. Our job is to listen to what the CEO is asking from us, and then helping that person uh, do that. Right. I see. And so, uh, uh, you know, it's only w when we lose confidence in the CEO, that's when we make a change. Right. 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 Um, so our, our job is to help that CEO go forward. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. so. But how like how in your, your personal philosophy, is it 
is it um, how, how interventionist is it versus uh, I, I, you know it's, it's, look the car accident's happening we don't I'm gonna we, wait for them I, to I, ask I, me for the oh, no, well no 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 if you see something going wrong and, and and you have the ability to try and stop it it's your it's incumbent on us to try and help that entrepreneurs mm -hmm. stop it but we're, we're you know I'm not getting involved in the weeds I'm not I, I will I if I if they want me to be involved in hiring some senior senior leaders mm -hmm. I'm involved okay. but I try not to be right um, right. my my, I, I want to be uh, I want to be two things. I want to be the counselor off the board. And I want to, and I want to be the holding the uh, the founder to account on the board, hmm. right? So you're not totally lying when you say, not a jerk in a, a mean way, but it's like, no, dude, no, no. your I, job I is to I, come my, and my job deliver is on your to, KPIs. To, uh, yeah, and, and and we work backwards from that. Like, what do I need to get to my next level? Um, you know, is it a raise? Is it an exit? Or what have you? Or, or is it just growing the uh, growing the business healthy? Um, and then how do we? What do we need to get there? That's that's that KPI structure I was talking about before. As long as the the founder hasn't bullshitted uh, me and is bought into this system, then we should be aligned. Right. Because they're a major owner. They own more than I do. Right. 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 right, right so right. they're going to get wealthy. Um, right. And they're going to do well, hopefully. Uh, and I'm going to do well, hopefully. But we have to get that alignment. So what? Uh, what do the entrepreneurs you've worked with in the past? Uh, is there a common fuck up aside from buying hoodies at the beginning? Are there things that you're like, these are the three things that I need to keep an eye on them? Not in a cynical way, but like, uh, no, uh, there's been no, there's it's, no, there's it's all every, that. yeah, everybody screws up differently. Okay. Um, but everybody screws up. Yes. And I, and that's fine. Um, making mistakes is part of this, part of this sort of process, right? And then how do you, on the, on the other side, how do, how do you, uh, you know, there is some narrative, depending on how you uh, think about it, there's some skepticism about venture capital to begin with, especially as, um, I shouldn't say that, it sounds negative, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that you could perceive venture capital as, look, I don't give a hell what you're doing about this business, just return money to me. And there's other forms of capital that people are starting to take, which is like, oh, well, there's strategic investments, that, which are much more popular than it sees, at least it feels like to me for startups than it used to be. Uh, yeah. It feels like maybe, it. I don't maybe. know if that's actually true. I, 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 Feel, feelings are facts, as I've uh, learned. So yeah, feelings could be facts. Um, <laughs> in this world, they are. I, I, so you're you're seeing you... the corporates come down. I, I don't see them in the seed deals. As okay, often, fair enough. Um, and, and, maybe more than Series A, B. Kind of more thing. B. Um, okay. Well, I was thinking of something even like well simple. It's like a Series A. And I would, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, that's true. Right. Uh, well, like, but yeah, but well simple, it was predominantly a buyout. To some extent, that's right? true. That's true. And so I wouldn't call it. It's a strategic <laughs> buyout. Yes. With, with with good economics for the the team that's still there. Fair so enough. Uh, that's fine. Um, you know, and and I, I if I were in their shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, but but strategics have a role to play, and and I don't think they're as hands off as as the as I I hear people speaking okay. um, out there. They they, they is that the is that the perception that they actually don't. Well, they they get involved, but they're you know they're they don't know what they're doing on the the finance side, so they 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 sort of are on the strategic side. Of, has the strategic definition. Got it. Um, oh, we we know where your company should go and into our customer base and things like that. Right. Um, there's still there's economics there. Most of those most of the people in the corporate dev side um, are former VCs, so they do know what they're doing and they know who they're talking to. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're just making sure that they're uh, that they're. That their economics are taken care of. They're, Makes they're, sense. They're not making a 10x return. They don't right. care about the 10x return like I do, or a 100x return or something. Their motivations are different. Their motivations are different, but they're so, still very. So focused. maybe I asked the question in a really crappy way, which I think I did. Uh, as we wrap up, I'm sorry to say, um, how do you? 
there are these myths about what venture capitalists are like, you know, don't, you can't sell the company, wait till the 10x return, I don't care, I'll, like, how do you, um, is that something that people are coming, are they coming to you, and venture capitalists in general, but in your role at BDC, in your current role, are they coming to you with preconceived notions about what your involvement can or should be, and are you having to dispel anything? Or are you finding that you're you're simpatico with the entrepreneurs much, more or less uh, than the education level of, of entrepreneurs today is just at a much higher level. The mm-hmm. the, the caveat is, is the understanding of the nuance of why those things are the way they are is still not there. In what um, like what's an example? Of what, in what um, sense? Uh, so so entrepreneurs um, you know get very angry about certain terms and th- conditions on their on their deals. They're like, why why do I have a, a liquidation preference or why is there uh, an interest rate or mm-hmm. all these sorts of things. Um, and those are to drive alignment in um, in in finance, a financial way to drive alignment. So, if uh, if you if, if an entrepreneur comes in and says, "I only need one round," and and then I'll be profitable, and I say, "Okay, that's great," I'm probably going to put an interest rate on your deal, and they'll be like, "Well, why did you put the interest rate on my deal?" And that's not standard. Well, it's not standard that a company would take my money and be profitable within you know eighteen months. And the interest rate is to drive home the point that I need to get out. Right. And you don't want me in there with that interest rate, so you put an interest rate on it. Right, it's driving which would expect the, the kind of return you'd get with a normal Absolutely. exit. Absolutely, so, you, so you're trying to drive an alignment all the time with financial terms, and I think entrepreneurs seem to think that we're doing it to be evil. We're doing it to drive um, uh, alignment with the entrepreneur on what the goals are, right Right at the outset. And I don't think entrepreneurs necessarily understand. They say, this is standard. Right. To whom? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, and for what, what reason? standard, yeah. Yeah, wh- why is a safe standard today? Exactly. You know, I don't know why. Because of YC. <laughs> YC said so. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, so you've got a guy named Sam Elfin says it's, it's you know, Sam hasn't been in venture uh, for 20 years. So right. he, he can say it's standard because he made it the standard at YC. Yes. And now, it's, now, it's, it, now it's filtered into the ecosystem. But right. What was the intent? What was the reasons? What was the alignment he was trying to drive? My, my sense of it, to use that ex- specific example, was uh, to be more aligned with the entrepreneur, which is like there's the convertible debt instrument, which was more. Yeah. You know, well, I th- I actually, I think, or I th- maybe it was just like you're you, not going to uh, see it anyway. So Sam don't was being very, very smart about it. Uh, 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 the the deals that go through YC, mm-hmm. when they arrive, they get a safe. They and they before that they got a convertible. Yes, right. Yeah. The safe would, uh, you know, you sign a safe. It's it's a ac- equity because Sam knows something that entrepreneurs are seeming to forget. It's you're either a success or you're not. In the ne- in the next six months, you either raise around. And it'll convert the sa- the safe should convert, right? Or it does not, right? right? And that was what they saw at all the YC companies. Like essentially, if you didn't raise around six months after you graduated from YC, you were a failed YC company, right? Um, so they were like, well, why put all this at the very front of this program, these com- like convertible notes that are just going to convert in six months anyways? So they right. said, well, just do or, a not. Safe. or not, or not, or not, doesn't so matter. All this so complex- we'll just, yeah, well, and then we have this. Well, we have a debt instrument. It's yes. hard for them to shut down the company, right? So we'll do a safe. Right, where the, it's much easier for you to move on if this doesn't work out, kids. Mm-hmm. Right, you know. Fast forward now, everybody thinks safes are forever. Mm-hmm. It's it's replacing a convert the convertible note out in the marketplace. But the convertible note is there with has board, has rights, has a lot of information in, uh, uh, systems in it. So the convertibles are still important. Safes safes were meant to be if you're if you're going to get something done in the next three to six months That's and you right don't want to do it hard, do this. But right. it was never meant to be a you raise a safe and it runs for eighteen to twenty four months. Interesting. So the, these all these instruments, uh, entrepreneurs seem to think they they understand the instrument. They don't understand the purpose behind it. Right. That's really cool. So um, the the last question I'll ask you, and we're over time, but uh, since we, the, the podcast broke halfway through, I think oh, we're yeah. allowed to do this. Um, 
you're now a partner, which you weren't before. Yeah. How does that? How does that outlook? How and you've been starting to build up. You've got the money now. You're trying to figure out how to deploy. It. How is your perspective on the universe changed? Like, how are you going out in the market and like looking around, meeting entrepreneurs? Are, are you doing things the same way you did before? You just happen to be a partner, partner uh, or you changed the way that you? Behave? No, um, I'm still doing many of the same same things I was doing before. Mm -hmm. I this the and the amount of work um, and things that I, I have to pay attention to is sort of increased at the same time, right? So we're now, I, you know, I have to. I'm raising my own fund now with my partners, um, while I'm also helping entrepreneurs maybe raise from us. And so you're, you're distracted because, um, and this is maybe, I'm, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are smiling when they do this. <laughs> I'm going to complain. I'm going to complain about the fact that I have to do all this due diligence with these, right. with these well, LPs. You're trying to raise while trying uh, to run your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah. And I'm trying to run my business yes. and I'm trying to raise. So you literally can sympathize with the Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And entrepreneurs are probably sitting there going, oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> that, Sucker. You deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So you're not that different after all. <laughs> no. And that, it's really, it's a really great point to end on, which is like, Everyone's trying to build their business. They're just mm -hmm. trying to build them on top of each other. Yeah. But you like it is best when your incentives are aligned and you understand the motivation behind each person and why they're trying to do what yeah, they do. Absolutely. And these documents are about aligning communication as much as they're about aligning investment and all that other mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So thank you for taking the time to come on the show this morning. Sorry about the, the glitch. We'll have you back and we can talk about much more complicated instruments of investment <laughs> on the nerd episode of Small Rooms. Um, but uh, for those who want to check up scale, check out scale up. Where do they go on the uh, interweb? SUV.vc. It's a pretty easy domain. It is. Uh, thanks, Matt, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Nick Kuhn for producing most of the show. Thanks to TWG <laughs> for hosting us, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks very much. <laughs>